Hi, I'm Aubrey. Thanks for joining the podcast for Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live or in person at 9 and 1030 in English or 1145 in Spanish. This year, we'll also have three Christmas Eve services. We'll have two indoor at 2 and 3.30 and one outdoor at 5.30. We hope to see you soon. Today, as we come back to our series, I want to acknowledge uh, something that's true. And I've, I've said this often, and every time I say it, it's still true. We, as people, as individuals, we kind of like control, don't we? Now, I said this in the first service, I would really recommend not looking to your left or your right during these next few minutes because this is deeply personal and we understand it in different ways. But every single one of us, we, we, like, we like control. Even the person that seems so easygoing and go with the flow, there's something in their life. Like, don't touch their sock drawer. Don't load the dishwasher the wrong way. We each have these areas, some of us a lot more than others maybe, where we kind of like control. We kind of like things to be how they are. Don't mess with that. Maybe for you, it's drive. you've got to be the one driving to sit in the back seat or the passenger seat is like painful to you. Uh, we've talked about before with the remote control to be in the room and not have the control. You know, it's like literally sweating. You can't even, so whatever it is for you in your life, just acknowledge for a minute. It's okay. It'll be good therapy that, that we all, to some extent, we like, we like control. We like power. But the reality is this, often the more power or the more control we have, the worse things tend to go in our lives. Now, this isn't just a personal thing on you, so don't, don't take it that way. Uh, throughout human history, throughout human history, we really are terrible at managing power. Often the more power, the more control someone has, it, it goes very badly. And I'm, I'm not going to get into a history lesson this morning, but I am going to point to uh, a historically great Christmas movie, not Elf. That was last week's illustration. So I'm not, I'm not going to have the audacity to say that Elf is the greatest Christmas movie in history, but some people would say this one is. And so in just a minute, I want to show you a clip, an example. Uh, you know the story well uh, of a guy named George. And George's problem is his ambition and his desire for more, <laughs> to be more, to have more, is a cause of a lot of relentlessness and ultimately unhappiness. And so here's a, a clip that you might know well about George and how his pursuit, his desire for more, more, more uh, starts to become his undoing. Take a look. I'm in trouble, Mr. Potter. I need help. Through some sort of an accident, my company shortened their accounts. The bank examiner got there today. I've got to raise $8,000 immediately. Oh, that's what the reporters want to talk to you about. The reporters? Yes, they called me up today from your building and loan. Oh, there's a man over there from the DA's office, too, who's looking for you. Please help me, Mr. Potter. Help me, won't you, please? Can't you see what it means to my family? I'll pay any sort of a bonus on the loan, any interest. If you still want the building and loan, I'm... George, could it possibly be there's a slight discrepancy in the books? No, sir, there's nothing wrong with the books. I've just misplaced $8,000. I can't find it anywhere. You misplaced $8,000? Yes, sir. Have you notified the police? No, sir, I, I didn't want the publicity. Harry's homecoming tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you're going to believe that one. <laughs> What have you been doing, George? Um, playing the market with the company's money? No, sir. No, sir. I haven't. 
Oh, is it a woman, then? Uh, you know, it's all over town that you've been giving money to Violet Bick. What? <laughs> Not that it makes any difference to me, but why did you come to me? Why don't you go to Sam Wainwright and ask him for the money? I can't get a hold of him. He's in Europe. Well, what about all your other friends? Well, they don't have that kind of money, Mr. Potter. You know that. You're the only one in town that can help me. <laughs> I've suddenly become quite important. <laughs> well, what kind of security would I have, George? You got any stocks? No, sir. Bonds? Real estate? Collateral of any kind? I have some life insurance. $15,000 policy. Yes, uh, how much is your equity in it? $500. $500? And you asked me to lend you 8,000. Look at you. You used to be so cocky. You were going to go out and conquer the world. You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. What are you but a warped, frustrated young man? Miserable little clerk crawling in here on your hands and knees and begging for help. No securities, no stocks, no bonds, nothing but a miserable little $500 equity and a life insurance policy. <laughs> You're worth more dead than alive. Why don't you go to the riffraff you love so much and ask them to let you have 8000 You know why? Because they'd run you out of town on a rail. But I tell you what I'm going to do for you, George, since the uh, state examiner is still here, as a stockholder of the building and loan, I'm going to swear out a warrant for your arrest. Misappropriation of funds, manipulation, malfeasance. All right, George. Go ahead, go ahead. You can't hide in a little town like this. The first thing he says is probably the most true. I, I'm in trouble. And for any of us in life uh, that have seized control and we wanted more and more and more there's a moment in life where that's very true for us isn't it I'm in trouble throughout this advent season we're discovering that this newborn king this newborn king of Christmas is unlike any king that's ever existed kings are synonymous with power aren't they to, to be king is to have the power and have the control but the way this king the way this newborn king stewarded his power made him unlike any king that ever existed in human history. Remember, remember throughout the series, uh, we understood that, that this king was promised. For generations and generations, if we paid attention, if we were reading, if we were listening, we, we knew, they knew this king was promised and he would be the most powerful king that ever was. We, we heard that in our time of worship, the prophecy, his kingdom will never end. We know that his kingdom, that the kingdom of this newborn king is upside down. That's why in the Christmas story, every detail, every circumstance is so backwards, is so upside down from what we would expect because the kingdom of this king, of this newborn king, is very backwards and upside down from the kingdom in which we live today because his kingdom is nothing like the kingdom in which we live. We know, last week we talked about that this king, he came to, to show us, to usher in a new kingdom, but ultimately point us towards a future where he will reign forever. So Christmas is not just about the present. 
That's awesome. That's wonderful. I plan on celebrating Christmas 2021. It's not just about the past in a great story and account of what happened that first Christmas. Christmas is also about the future because this newborn king did not stay in a manger. In fact, we are promised this king will return one day. In the fullness of his kingdom, we will experience his reign. That king is coming. And so Christmas also points us to the future. And so today, we gather really on the, on the doorstep of Christmas Over this coming week, we will gather together, family and friends, to celebrate. And I want to pause today and acknowledge one more thing about this newborn king. In fact, if you don't hear anything else that we've said throughout this series, if there's no other details that you pick up on, I want to challenge you today to to remember this. What, What I'm about to say, write it down, remember it, don't miss it. Somehow imprint it on your brain over these next couple days as as we celebrate together. Because the truth is this, I have it here on the screen for us, that the all-powerful king is the all-compassionate king. Again, we're talking about a king, a king that, that is so different than one that has ever existed in human history. And this statement is really the synopsis of what Christmas is all about. If you were to take the entire story of Christmas and whittle it down into one statement, this is really it. That the all-powerful king is the all-compassionate king. The king with all the majesty has all the mercy. The king, the king that could crush you, instead he cares about you. That's Jesus, the newborn king. In all of the prophecies, in anticipation of his arrival, in all of the incredible parts of the Christmas story, don't miss. Maybe the greatest miracle of all that the all-powerful king is the all-compassionate king. If you wanted to summarize the beauty and majesty and mystery of Christmas, here it is. And you may say, how is that even possible? How? We can all relate to wanting power, right? We love power. We love control. And the image of a king is what? It is a power. To be king is to be in control, to be in charge, to have the authority. And to be, to be honest, this is, remember, this king is all-powerful. Literally, he's God. You can't get more powerful than that, can you? The promise is made. His kingdom will never end. As we've stated, he's greater than any king that's ever existed. He is. He is the all-powerful king. And yet, and yet, as we will read today, he's also all-compassionate. He's compassionate to all. Why else? Why else would he leave the throne room of heaven to come down and become like us? Why else would he enter into the mess and brokenness of our Lives, a king who is all powerful and all compassionate. That's not, that's not an ordinary king, is it? And we know we know he's not an ordinary king because of the details of his arrival, and we've we've talked about that. But we also know that he's uh, not an ordinary king because of what he said, because of how he lived. Because we get to stand on the other side of Christmas. We, we get to read the Christmas story, but then we get to see this newborn king grow up and live his life and minister and live here on the earth. And if you turn with me this morning to John chapter 10, there's a few things that this newborn king said. Now, he wasn't so newborn yet uh, when he said it, but there's a few things that this king would grow up to that can tell us a lot uh, about the king that's all powerful, but the king that's all compassionate. And so I'm going to ask you to put the story, uh, baby in the manger, put that on pause for a minute. We'll come back there, but now fast forward several years to this baby all grown up, to Jesus ministering. 
and walking and teaching. And in John chapter 10, we get to a, a famous teaching. Maybe you're familiar with it before, but today I want to read this in, in the context of the king, the king that is all-powerful and the king that is all-compassionate. Uh, we're going to be in John 10. We're going to start in verse 7 today, and uh, we're, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the truth of this newborn king. Uh, John 10 verse 7 says this, Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Look again with me at this text. Uh, the king has power. He makes promises. He says things like, I am. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? I am. That's a king with some power, isn't it? I am. I am. He, he's so, this is the God. Listen, he's so powerful that this God created the universe with a word. He spoke a word and creation happened. It, it was just that that's how he wanted it to be. This is the God who's so awesome. He's beyond our understanding. And Jesus, he's showing us the embodiment of the powerful king saying, I am. But he brings all of that power and authority down to the level of a little lamb. Not necessarily the most powerful image, right? Notice, what is he saying? He's saying, I am, but I am the gate. The gate for what? Well, for the sheep. He's painting a very specific picture here. A, a picture of power, right? I am, but also a picture of compassion. What picture of compassion? He promises safety. He, he promises pasture. Unlike those that have come before, he promises to care for the sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. Now look, uh, John 10.10 10 is a powerful verse. If you need a, a verse uh, to, to claim over the new year, this is a powerful verse uh, to, to claim a truth, but it's also powerful in the context of this uh, king, this king who is a shepherd. Look at what it says. The thief comes, John 10.10, 10, only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life to the full. And then John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus, he's juxtaposing this idea. He's saying, there is a thief. There is an enemy of your soul, and he has a mission. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy you. But in contrast to that, Jesus, the all-powerful king, has something else. He's got life and life to the full. What does he say emphatically? I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd, not I am the king. I am the emperor. I am the ruler. I'm in charge. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd. Literally, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I am the shepherd king the shepherd king. Uh, shepherds, listen, I don't have to tell you this, they weren't prestigious, were they? They were not powerful. They had what would be seen as a very ordinary, uh, unexciting, not very glamorous job, right? Watching over sheep. Sheep are not, not seen as very smart, intelligent animals, but this is the role of shepherd, and this is the image that Jesus the king gives. 
of being the shepherd. Perhaps it's quite prophetic that the first visitors to the newborn king in Bethlehem were lowly shepherds. Because now, many years later, Jesus says, I am. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am the good shepherd. See, the all-powerful king is the all-compassionate king, right? Think more about this image of a shepherd because it's all throughout the story of God. This is not just an image that we see around a manger in Bethlehem. This is not just kind of a random image that Jesus picks in John chapter 10. Throughout the story of God, shepherds are prevalent, more than we have time to discuss here. But think about this. Jesus may be the ultimate shepherd king, but he wasn't the first. He wasn't the first. In the Old Testament, God tells a Samuel to go and anoint a king that the old king Saul uh, no longer has God's favor and there's going to be a new king. And so you you know the story if you know it well. Samuel goes and finds a, a godly man, Jesse, who lines up all of his sons. And Samuel goes to each one and God's like, nope, not him, not him, not him, not him. Goes through the whole line. None of them are it. And so Samuel turns to Jesse and says, are you sure this is all your sons? He goes, oh yeah. David's out. He's the shepherd. (laughs) He wasn't even invited. It's one thing to be picked last. It's another thing not even to be invited to be picked, right? That was David. He was out in the field. He had to take care of the sheep, right? While his brothers came and did the more important things. But God says, no, no, no. Samuel, anoint him. That's going to be the king. That's going to be the king. And so David, David is a shepherd, but he's the one anointed as king. And what's so important about David? Well, he, he, God uses him in spite of some of his weaknesses and failures to do some incredible things. But God promises David out of his lineage, out of his descendants, the true king will come. This is not a forgotten promise because we see it right here in the middle of the Christmas story. In Matthew chapter 2, we've read it already this Advent season. You know the story. The Magi come from the east, right? These pagans have traveled thousands of miles to find the Jewish Messiah. And they literally show up at the King Herod, right? They show up at King Herod's door and they have the audacity to say, hey, hey, where's the real king? Picture this. Man, that's, that's some gall, isn't it? And in Matthew chapter 2, when they're questioned about the validity of the king, these foreigners, these Gentiles, these outsiders, in Matthew chapter 2, they quote the prophecy written eight centuries earlier in Micah chapter 5. Here it is in Matthew 2, 6. They're reciting these words written generations before. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a, now get this, right? The all-powerful king is the all-compassionate king. What does it say? Out of you will come a ruler, a king, power, who will shepherd my people in Israel. Right there in the middle of the story. Right there in the middle of the story. Bethlehem, the birthplace of the newborn king, was prophesied hundreds of years before. Out of Bethlehem will come the shepherd king. You know what's so interesting about that, right? Because Bethlehem, Bethlehem is the birthplace of King David. That's why when the angels show up in Luke chapter 2, and they say, today in the town of David, you know what they're saying? Bethlehem. It's the town of David. It's the original place of the birthplace of the original shepherd king. But now the true shepherd king is born right there in the town of David. Even the angels are making the connection. 
to the shepherd king. In Jesus, we see the fulfillment of the all-powerful king as the all-compassionate king. This is Christmas. That the all-powerful God would step out of heaven because of his incredible love and compassion for you, and that reality changes everything. So does this matter to you? Does this matter to you? Why, why should it? I, I can get up here and point to more prophecies and more truth that this, in Jesus, we see a God of all power, but a God of all compassion. So the question is, why does that matter to you today? Well, I, I know I said there was one thing I wanted you to write down. There might be two. I, I think everything that we've said so far kind of centers around this powerful truth because our king is, is all powerful and all compassionate. What does that mean for us? Well, I'm going to spend the, the rest of our time together kind of focusing on this truth. I have it here on the screen. What does it mean for us? It means that I am not my own, and I'm not on my own. What does it mean that the all-powerful God, he, literally, this king was God. He was seated at the right hand of the Father, and he showed up because he loved us enough to become like us. So why does that matter? What does that mean for our life today? Well, it means this. It means that I'm... I'm not on my own, but I'm not my own. Make it personal to you. You are not your own, and you're not on your own. What does that mean? Well, let's start. Let's start. Uh, we're just going to leave this up on the screen. Let's start with the first part. And again, you, you make it personal uh, today. What does that mean to say, because the most all-powerful king is also the all-compassionate king? What does that mean? Well, it means today that, that I, I am not my own. What does that mean? Well, think of it this way, that the shepherd desires to be your king. The one who said, I am the good shepherd. I, I lay down my life for my sheep. And literally, he would do that, right? He would go to the cross and lay down his life. So what, what, is that, what does that mean for us? It means that the shepherd desires to be your king. See, most of us, we, we talked about this, most of us want to be in control. We want to call the shots, but Jesus didn't come. He didn't come to lay down his life so that he could be kind of a, a last resort, uh, in case of emergency. When you're really in a pinch, then call out to him. That's not what he came to be in your life. We began this series by talking about this truth, that either he is the king of all or he's not the king at all. In response to this king that is all-powerful and all-compassionate, the reality is, the truth is, that we no longer live for ourselves anymore. You see, I, I can't call him king, but live by my own rules anymore. Not because of what he's done for me. I can't call him king, but live to please myself most of all. I can't allow me, 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 me to be the most important one anymore. I can't call him king, but not love the people that he loves. I can't do that. See, in response to the all-powerful, all-compassionate king, see, I, I'm, I'm not my own anymore, because in response to a God like that, I can't just wave when it's convenient. I can't just show up for an hour and give my lip service to him. I can't just pray for five minutes a day and think that's, no, 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 no. In response to a God like that that gave everything for me, suddenly, I'm not my own. I'm not living to try to be in control of my life. I'm no longer the one calling the shots. 
my number one goal in my life is no longer me, 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 be happy, do ever what I can to get ahead, do ever what I, I can to be successful because I'm not my own any longer. Something beautiful about this time of year, Christmas is seeing sacrificial love, sacrificial love. And, and the reality is, for those of us that are in Christ, well, why do we see that? It's not just because, oh, we like to give, it's the season of giving. No, no, no. It's because this statement is true. If this statement is true, then the fruit of that is a life of sacrifice, of love for others. We're not just giving and loving others to check off some box of duty or obligation. Or because it's, well, it's what we should do. It's all right. It's the moral thing. No, no, no. We're giving and sacrificing and loving because the God who loved us gave everything for us. And I'm no longer living for myself any longer. I want to live for him. What does that look like? Well, this past week, I've gotten to see so many examples of you. The church family, living this out moment by moment, day by day. Let me tell you about just one, one way. I've seen people sacrificing. We, over these past couple months, uh, because of things that are happening in our world, we've seen it here in our community, that we have some resettled individuals and families from Afghanistan. They didn't choose to come here. They had to flee, really, for their lives. Many of them have lost family members. Many of them left in a moment's notice with just the clothes on their back. And so in the past few months, they showed up here in this community, in our community. This is their home. And of these 80-plus individuals in our community, there's 32 children. And so, so our church staff and board got together, and we decided we want to make sure that these kids, each of these kids who have experienced incredible disruption and incredible loss and incredible brokenness over these last few months, we, we just want to give them a gift. We just, because the God of all compassion is calling the shots in my life. It's not really about me anymore, right? It's not really about what I want to do or who I like to do. It's because the God who gave everything for me, I'm not my own anymore, and, and I, I, I'm gonna, I love who he loves. And, and we felt like God said, do this. And so this week, I was touched by the generosity of our church family, but I was also touched as I got to deliver some of these gifts. I was touched by families that just, they, they literally have nothing but they're, they're pulling you into their room. They, wanna, they want you to sit on the floor with them and just have tea, showing hospitality and gratitude to you. Why do I tell you that story? That's the fruit. That's the byproduct of a life that says, I'm not my own anymore. God, I'm going to love who you love. I'm going to serve when there's opportunities. I'm going to give whether I feel like I have much to give or not because it's not about me anymore. And what I love most about Christmas seeing men and women and students and young people who, who come alive in this season because it's the greatest season ever to celebrate the reality that because the king has come, I'm not the king anymore. And I'm going to serve him and I'm going to love him and I'm going to give and sacrifice for others, not because I have to, but because the king gave it all for me. The shepherd wants to be your king. And when he's your king, it changes everything changes everything. It's not a slight modification. It's not just a, a few degrees on your trajectory. It changes everything because suddenly I'm not my own. The second part, the second part is also true. See, it's not just, it's not just that I'm not my own. Man, the good news for you and I today, because the all-powerful king is the all-compassionate king, I'm not on my own. I'm not on my own. 
See, it's not just that the shepherd desires to be your king. It's that the king desires to be your shepherd. And the truth is, it's the truth in Psalm 23, as the first shepherd king wrote these words, the Lord is my shepherd. The truth is that there will be a moment in your life where you come to realize, I can't do it. I can't figure it out on my own. I can't navigate all this on my own. It's too hard. It's too painful. I've made such a mess on my own. If you haven't gotten there, you will one day. You'll look around at your life and say, I can't do this on my own. And the truth is, the reality is, we all need a shepherd. We all need someone. Someone guiding us, leading us, walking with us. And the good news of Christmas is that the all-powerful God loved you enough to come and to be your shepherd. And so while the truth is that I I am no longer my own, I'm no longer living for myself, the, the truth is also that I'm also not on my own. Because the king has come to be my shepherd, to walk with me right now today. Guess what? In the midst of that cancer diagnosis, you're not on your own. The good shepherd is with you. Today, for the one experiencing financial uncertainty, the present and future are bleak. Today, you are not on your own. For the one, grief and anxiety today are overwhelming. They are crushing you. You are not. You are not on your own. For the one, your future, your dreams just seem shattered, broken, uncertain. Man, you are not on your own. Advent, the arrival, the arrival of the king who came to be with you. That's his name, Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. He came to be with you so that there would never be a moment in your life that you walk alone. There would never be a moment where you have to just buck up, toughen up, do it on your own. Never again because the king wants to be your shepherd. It's not just that he laid down his life 2,000 years ago. The shepherd king today, he walks with us. He watches over us. He is still Emmanuel, God with us. One of the greatest lies that the enemy can tell you in in all seasons, but especially at at Christmas, because, right, here's the reality of Christmas, man, it can... It can accelerate, it can multiply the joys in your life, but man, it can multiply the sorrows, can it? Some of you this week, you'll have incredible joy and getting to be with people, getting to gather, getting to celebrate, but there's going to be some grief for some already this week, and that grief is just magnified this time of year. But one of the greatest lies that the enemy, that the enemy will tell you is this, you're all alone. You're all alone. In a room like this, you know, I'll look around. They, they're not like you. They don't struggle like you. They don't need things like you do. They're not afraid like you are. You're all alone. But the message of Christmas, the message of the all-powerful king is the all-compassionate king is that you are not alone. Because in the fullness of time, God sent Jesus He's Emmanuel. He is God with us, with us. And today, no matter your pain, no matter your questions, no matter your brokenness, he longs to be your shepherd.
So church family, I'm going to invite you to stand with me now. We're going to celebrate one of my favorite things to do throughout the year, but certainly during Christmas, I think it can be most meaningful. Uh, the band's going to come and they're going to help us. We're going to worship a little bit. We're going to celebrate the newborn king. But today I, I want to close and I just want to specifically spend a few moments talking to those of you today that desperately need to know that the king cares for you. You desperately need to feel his love, to feel his care. You feel, you feel all alone. And the reality today is it's just not true because the all-powerful God is the all-compassionate God. The all-powerful king is the all-compassionate king. And today, today, this king longs to be your shepherd. We, We all need a shepherd, don't we? We all need something, someone to help guide us. And today, the God of the universe, the God who created you and loved you and knit you together, I don't even know how that works, but he did it. He longs to be your shepherd. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.